Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, a conversation about literature and art, about duende and queerness and coping and tea, border blur and misfits and community, secret places, ragged edges. Angel House Press. I'm your host, Amanda Earl. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, episode 80. I'm here to uh, talk to Conchetta Principe. Welcome, Conchetta. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you very much for for having me here um, to talk about this book um, and the topic. Uh, um, I uh, I appreciate it deeply, and I think it is um, a topic worth 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 talking about. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll get into it more, but we're basically we're going to be talking um, about uh, stars need counting essays on suicide, primarily. Anyway, we'll probably go off in, on tangents as well. So uh, my first my first uh, question is, what would you like listeners to know about you? Um, I'm uh, uh, I've been writing a long time, a long, long time. Um, and uh, I think I think that's important. Um for all writers to acknowledge that, you know, when they uh, when they talk about their writing, they they have a they have background, and um, I am uh, so uh, I, I write some fiction, um, predominantly prose poetry, and um, I this is the first project. Stars Need Counting is the first uh, creative nonfiction project, although. I would have to say that some of my um, prose poems and books of prose poems have um, a kind of a nonfiction element to it. So you could call them lyrical nonfiction. I guess I'm, um, I don't slide around a lot. It's like, I'm pretty consistent <laughs> in, in, the, in my voice, but you know, um, uh, things have to get advertised. So um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm particularly known for, for my prose poetry. Um, this reel, uh, which was published with, with Peddler Press in um, 2017, was, uh, was it 2017, was short, short uh, long listed for the Raymond Suster Award, League of okay. Canadian Poets. Um, so I've, I've won a, uh, and so I've I've been nominated, a, you know, a few accolades here and there. I'm also a professor. Um, I got my degree in 2014, um, and I write scholarly work. And in fact, it's the scholarship that um, probably is um, uh, kind of triggered uh, a lot of what I would eventually come to write as stars need counting. And I teach at Trent and York right now. Excellent. Thanks a lot for that. And, and yeah, I, I, first, I first met you actually, we were at uh, in Toronto doing the Battle of the Bards and you were reading from your your poetry book on, I can't remember the title about Hiroshima. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I remember. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, go ahead. I just, I remember that that, I remember you, I was really intrigued by your work when I, when I hadn't, I hadn't heard your, your, I hadn't read your reading before, or your work before that. So I was already quite interested to see uh, what you were writing. So uh, 
yeah, that's, that was my first experience uh, meeting. Yeah. And we have this thing, that Battle of the Bards, they do this thing where they have everyone go out to dinner together first. And then before you do the Battle of the Bards, I remember we went to some restaurant and then, and then, so that was kind of an interesting, that whole experience was quite interesting. It was, I've never done anything like that before. And uh it was it was quite it was fun and then uh, I I got to read at the um, international festival of authors in Toronto after that so that was that was fun that's the closest I've ever been to being treated like a celebrity so <laughs> that was pretty good but uh, a rarity for a poet <laughs> I know it was it was that way it's actually really a brilliant event because it does put um, poets on the stage in a in an honorable way, as opposed to you know um, throwing them into you know a big reading of prose and fiction. But um, I, I wanted to repeat what I said back then. Um, the uh, your po your poetry it's it's actually it's it's in um, the mode that I love to read, and it's Ooh, close okay. to the kind of writing uh, I do. Um, what what was the name of the the um, the, the collection that you were reading from, Kiki. I can't remember. It had to do with um, a woman or, or, and then I bought your book and then I read that and it's a oh, wow. brilliant book. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was Kiki. Yeah. That was uh, sort of inspired by Kiki of Montparnasse and all that. Yeah. So that, that was funny. Yeah. And of course I did a lot of research too, which is what, so now let's talk about uh, a little bit more about the research and all the different things that you've been doing related to stars need counting. What would you like listeners to know about uh, the book? Yeah. Um, so I made a list, <laughs> a long Excellent. list. I love lists. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to put this one at the top. <laughs> yeah, I know lists are good, aren't they? Um, and then, of course, you can you can prioritize after you've got them all down. So I'm the one I'm putting up at the top is um, the the one that my editor um, Shane Nielsen um, used to introduce um, this book at the launch, which is that it's unique. It there is no book like it in Canada, um, and that you know it, it's saying quite a bit about the fact that this topic is not um the it, it's not shared a lot yeah. uh, it is uh suicide is one of those um topics that is uh yeah it doesn't get it doesn't get a lot of airplay um unless you um are a suicide survivor or unless you are um, surviving someone who has committed suicide and you have a story to tell. And those, those tend to be um, the, the books that um, we see in Canada on the topic. In the States, there's quite a bit more writing, but you usually find that it is a professional, uh, you know, there's, there's more professional um, work on uh, understanding suicide. Um, and so it, it's unique in that it draws on a number of different sources for thinking and writing about suicide. Um, one of the biggest sources that most of us are exposed to in one way or another is philosophy, right? right. Um, the question, what is being, right? You know, that's what the philosopher is asking. And then of course, once you get to, you know, if you've answered that one, then the question is, well, what does it mean to stop being? Um, and 
of course, that becomes a huge question for the psych early psychoanalysts. Freud um, was trying to figure out why, uh, figure out why some people would commit suicide. He didn't get into a lot of research there, but that was um, some of the work he was doing with mourning, mourning and melancholia. That that uh, um, that what do you call it? Case study where he wanted to understand why some people in mourning um, just, you know, or in depression stay in depression and why some people um, commit suicide. Um, it's a very interesting theory, uh, which is that, and, and, uh, and I use it, I, I use Freud um, and that theory because it does explain that um, or Freud says that depression is, it looks like mourning um, uh, as in somebody died, but of course no one died. So who died or what died? And what Freud was saying is that the, the death that happened is the one that the depressed person had to execute um, psychically. And usually it has to do with um, a, um, a killing of the love for someone. Um, uh, usually it's the, it's the object of desire, you know, um, uh, and that is all psychically. And the reason for the killing will never fulfill um, the, uh, the subject. So, um, so there's a kind of a psychically we, um, we're all in relation to death in one way or another. And sometimes there is a need um, or there is ends up being a, a, a psychic need to end um, an attachment. And some, and the most effective way of doing that is to um, psychically uh, murder the, um, the object of desire. And that's, that's Freud. So, uh, you know, it, basically it's like a, a nice little narrative <laughs> right. about what happens to the depressed person. Basically the depressed person doesn't want to live um, because they are guilty of having um, uh, made love no longer there. Um, so, so I follow, uh, and then I follow through to um, Jacques Lacan, um, and his thoughts about suicide and the fact that for, for Lacan, suicide, uh, there are some suicides that are good, right? Yeah. Um, and that's when, you know, when I started doing this research uh, while doing my degree, I realized that there are too many contradictions. Um, there is a lot of talk about um, psychic killing of the self, uh, as in Freud, or then there's the, the good suicide as in uh, um, Antigone, right. the, uh, um, the figure in uh, the Sophocles play, who basically sacrifices her life so that her son, her, her brother can be properly buried. Uh, a deal with, a deal he, she makes with um, the leader of the town, Creon. So all of this intellectual work Right. Um, kind of added a, a spin to philosophy, the philosophical thinking about what is death and what is suicide, giving up your life. And then, but, but the, you know, we live with 
the fact that one, suicide is a crime. Um, and suicide as a crime is, um, the legal crime is based on the moral crime. And the moral crime of suicide is that um, you are taking away uh, God's body. God gave you your body and to um, um, end it is to take away from God what is owned by God. Um, so that started to get very complicated because what if you don't believe in God? Um, uh, whose body are, are you living with? And of course, my interest, and I think most people do confront the question, what is my life? And, and what is a life worth living? And, um, and so it's, you know, my exploration of suicide was personal. Uh, um, it, it, uh, it was motivated unconsciously in a personal way. Um, and it was unconscious. Uh, um, well, actually, it was dreams that started the project anyway. Um, and so it was the unconscious of me um, trying to understand suicide, but then also to talk about what what is inside me as a person um, who ha um, has experienced suicidal ideation or who has gone through it. And um, what's important, the most important thing about this project is that um, it is not a sensational no. piece on suicide. It does not treat suicide disrespectfully either. Um, that it is also not a confession. Um, um, so that everyone knows I uh, did not consciously commit suicide. And um, uh, my, um, the period of my um, anorexia would yeah. be an example of the unconscious suicide, um, which was not fulfilled. Um, uh, so um, the... The so the the uh, I wrote it because you know w w we may as well talk about it. Yeah. Um, most of us are not encouraged to talk about it because it's one shame and two it'll institutionalize you. It's very complicated as a topic. You know, it's of a, a mental you know illness like all of these. Um, uh, categorical claims about what suicide is, and I think um, you know the fact that uh, if you can you can think about it doesn't mean that you're going to do it. Um, if you can contemplate that suicide might be an answer, is not bad logic. No. Um, the question is why do you have to go there? Why is the logic ending at that point? And that. Um, and so that's what is really complicated about the book and what I wanted to draw out to try and figure out how we can come, come to peace with ourselves living in this world um, and, uh, and forgiving ourselves for not always wanting, uh, not, not always happy. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Thanks for that uh, uh, sort of a synopsis and, and, and explain a bit more explanation. Some of the questions I have are now 
you scratch out because we've talked about that's good. That's excellent. Yeah, I think I, I think I have always. Well, I don't know about always, but at least in this stage of my life, I, I believe that um, opening up conversation and having a conversation is better than keeping, you know, if, if, if people can, it helps more people if the, if the conversation is open rather than keeping it closed. So yeah, I, I commend you on the book. And also like, just, we'll get into more later, but I mean, um, there, the different, there's all kinds, aside from the, the, the f- philosophical and psychological, and uh, there's also things like uh, talking about Sylvia Plath's suicide. And there's, there's, there's a lot of other, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different, and the whole um, discussion of 9-11, for instance, Afghanistan. I mean, there's just, just a lot of, it's, it's both current and uh, timeless at the same time, which is quite an achievement in, in any any work, I think. So it's it's really, um, I think it's an important book. And I was, it was funny when I first got it because I, I had a subscription to Gordon Hill Press last year, and I guess when I got it or this year, whenever year, I don't know what year we're in anymore. <laughs> but uh, when I when I first got it, it was like the first book that I was drawn to. I, I mean, and one of the reasons that I was drawn to it is because of the aside from the title, "Stars Need Counting: Essays on Says Also, it's the um, the cover art which is a line art drawing of a head a woman's head i think with scrawls over the brain and how did that choice of cover cover art and cover design come about um uh, so it was uh it was work between um jeremy the um president of gordon hill or the owner um and uh I was actually initially all for just um, font, you know, just script text on the yeah. cover, uh, partly because, um, you know, that's evocative. Um, and I guess it, it's in the European style, which is, um, you know, uh, Jean Amery um, came out with a book about suicide. Uh, he was a, a Holocaust survivor and he wrote about suicide and his cover is primarily the script on the text. Um, and then, uh, but um, Jeremy was suggesting that we go with an image um, because none of the um, text, uh, full text things were working. And and he found this one. And, you know, initially I was thinking, I don't know, um, because <laughs> it's, uh, it's a woman, okay, it, yeah. it could be me. But then when he told me, what the source was, it was like, yeah, we're going to use it. Um, it is from um, a psycho- psychological textbooks at university. It's like, a, and as an image, it's public domain also. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that it's it it, it draws from that source, um, and that would that explains what the um the lines are all about right you know yeah. in, in the psychological textbooks uh and i thought yeah like um this is not a textbook this is the opposite of a textbook this is <laughs> what what we what we write and 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 start thinking about after we've done you know freud 101 um <laughs> in the first chapter of the psychological book uh, textbook right so yeah and 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 then when we started playing with the um, the two tone, it started to the the image started to really bounce around a lot more. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's well done. And I would I'm say very happy I, with the cover. Yeah, and I the colors. 
the colors are, are very striking. So it's uh, the 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 um, scrawl reminds me of a scenic writing. You know, you know, there's a, a type of uh, well, some people call it visual poetry, where you, where basically there's a a, a, um, a lang or symbols or 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 marks that are indecipherable as as a recognized alphabet or code, but it could be a private code or just a, you know invented language. So that's where I, and the idea, and I don't know, I sometimes do acemic writing when I ha- when I'm upset and I need to, but I can't articulate things. So I'll write in, you know, I'll write in these this indecipherable well my handwriting is indecipherable already but uh, but it helps me to um i feel it helps me to not have to communicate but still somehow articulate for myself anyway uh the feelings that i can't particularly talk about in words so so it's it, it has that feeling to me as well this cover so that's what i responded to as well yeah. and what's interesting about that yeah, what's interesting about about what you're saying about that kind of writing is that that kind of writing um, tunes you into your unconscious, yeah. um, bypassing language uh, and going into what's um, and the unconscious. Who knows what it is? I believe it is there. <laughs> um, <laughs> it does have an influence on our lives, um, and um, it's. A kind of a mess of that part of you that you can't see directly. You can only ever see in um, behavior um, and the the way you talk and how you're motivated to do things. That's sort of that's how I see the unconscious working. And it is um, it seems like a mess, you know. In in you can call it a mess, but as you say, when you put it down on the paper that way when you follow those lines it's just uh it's not natural it's just of the body I guess yeah and I I think it communicates an emotion for me like a you know like I I I have a feeling and I need to communicate it to at least myself but words won't work for me so yeah I feel it's communicated and I always feel after I've done it that it's helped, you know, so it's a cathartic experience. So when I, when I've seen other people's acemic or some people say acemic writing, I always feel, I always think about that. Not everyone may have the same reason or rationale for doing it, but I always connect with that idea that it may be, uh, you know, partly, yeah, part of the body, part of, um, you know, feeling. So yeah, that's an interesting reason to take it up if anyone think, wants to uh, consider playing around with a scene. And it doesn't have to be anything. It can be anything you want. It's just mark making basically in any way that you like. So there you go. There's a tangent in a way that we've taken. That's probably not the, the last either in, in this conversation. Uh, let's talk about the title now. So the title, uh, Stars Need Counting, is, is taken from toward the end of the book, which is an autobiographical chapter entitled Suicide is Out of the Question. The quote is about cutting. About cutting, this you should know. There is no necessary correlation between cutting and suicide, though sometimes there is a connection. Cutting is about management. The day needs managing, the meat needs cutting, stars everywhere need counting. What made you choose this as the title of the book and had you considered other possibilities? Um, Titles are always uh, brilliant moments. Um, Well, titles uh, lead you. So there's, there's always the first title. And then eventually you start 
um, feeling the, the texture of, of the text. Um, so the first title, the working title, and a title that I actually still like um, is the, the Fall of My Suicide Dreams. Oh, that's a beautiful title too. <laughs> I, I, and the thing is that, um, yeah, I mean, it, there was some, there's something so lyrical about it. And, but I think the, the, all that lyric um, didn't sit well with the editor. Right. Um, and, um, and then as, the, as a collection, the dreams started to fall out as a determining factor because initially it was, um, the dreams, well, it started with my dreams. That's how it started. I was having um, dreams during this period in 2014, in the fall, and um, like not one after the other, but within within uh, two months, I had three dreams about suicide and like different dreams. And they're in the book now. Um, but initially they were, um, well, you know, they, they initiated the book. Um, they initiated certain uh, um, approaches to what I was doing. And, um, and so I, I maintained that as a title until we, until this started taking shape. At one point I was thinking about um, flowers. The thing is that there, there are, um, you can sometimes get a bit too um, retreat too, too much from suicide. Um, I guess the the, uh, the fall of my suicide dreams just seemed a bit too flippant or um, too pretty, and right. um, and that that could be considered disrespectful. Um, so um, then, but you know, so I was working with flower stuff in different from different uh, uh, of the different essays, and I just every time I. Just, Oh, it's not not working. <laughs> you know, when you have that feeling, it's like oh, so heavy and boring. Yeah. Um, and then um, it was uh, it was that piece um, uh, when I when I first in the first draft, it was actually constellations in my hand. Um, so the the stars were all there. Um, it was all about uh, yeah making connections um, and then uh, so the um, stars need um, the meat needs cutting stars need counting those were the two last um, phrases that went into that piece and then um, it suddenly got connected to all these other stars at different moments um, and then it just started to resonate um, because the end had had been uh, at that point it had been in place, uh, so it must have been some unconscious um, move that um, brought lifted the stars um, from uh, the the sort of the bed of the the landscape, um, mm -hmm. and 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 that's how it happened. Yeah, I mean the the stars is one of the the repeated image images in in the book, and also water. Water is there quite a lot too. So you've got kind of the the you know the high and the low, like this sort of above and below, you know, sort of thing. So I I was I, to me it's a very poetic book as well. You know, I I did find like the the uh, the way it's written. I I mean I really found it engaging, and yeah, and the the idea that there's an imperative there. Stars need counting. Like it's if when you include the my, it it then makes it makes an assumption that it's going to be 
a completely autobiographical work in a way, right? I, if you, as soon as you include a possessive, right? You, it's all, it's, it's, so this maybe feels a little bit more universal in a way, some way, maybe, I don't know. I'm just, just, just well, playing with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. No, you're right. I mean, it is the, the, the imperative. Hmm. It's hard to, I mean, um, for me, the imperative has all these, layers in this case beneath it it's the i can't go yet um and then it's the um the fact that humans always find something to keep going i i, I and and i'm saying humans because there is a kind of a i think most of us live with a tension between um wanting to rest um and wanting wanting to have a reason to get up in the morning. I think, yeah. I think we all kind of have to live with that, uh, a, a, a slight tension there. And, um, and that's why, um, so the imperative of the I is also, it is, um, it is what, what uh, keeps us. Um, it's not that, um, you know, it's not stars. It's like, I still have something else to do. Yeah. And then of course uh, the stars are infinite. Which means, so that's the whole idea. So the moment you start thinking stars, it's like, yeah, oh, there is no way you can go yet. You still have so much more to do. And then that. More becomes. stars to count. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's actually really brilliant. Very, very interesting. So then we get into the preface. And I was really impressed with the preface because it's a description of what the book is not. So <laughs> I thought that was great because I thought, you know, I'm sure that maybe even in the process of thinking about the book, those questions, I mean, aside, you know, these things came to your mind, maybe in the editing process, you, you know, when you're talking to various people about the book, they ask, is it this, is it that? So that seems to make sense. But what made you decide to include this list as a preface? It was that. It was, um, um, well, it was a, a combination of things. Um, the first one was I knew that I wanted to talk to the reader to, uh, as a, tr uh, a trigger warning. Yeah. Um, because when you've got suicide in the title, like um, what's inside, you know, and, and some people don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I wanted to be able to give people, uh, readers, an opportunity to make a um, um, a choice that would protect them, so that um, um, if someone doesn't want to go there, um, they won't pick, won't won't get the book. That's that's yeah. you know we accept that. But if somebody is thinking, well, do I want to go there or not? What's in there? I don't know yet. Um, that preface allows the reader to see um, the scope of what I was working with to, to, to say that, okay, I'm not going to be telling you um, a suicide story, uh, a suicide confession story. That's not what this book is. Um, <laughs> that, um, the, uh, that there is so much to say about suicide and I had to take out a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> One of them is like, come on, guys, you can't, you can't, I, I, I couldn't get the essay for, for this um, done because it would have, you know, it could have taken me a long time to finish a book that had everything I wanted in it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and there was research I discovered that's like, yeah, I mean, you know, we should know this. Um, 
you know, the, for example, the way um, in Korea, um, suicide, um, um, staging one's suicide is a therapy. Um, uh, to you know, to to pass through the ideation and and, and come come through to the other side, um, uh, and then, um, so it's to say that if anyone is afraid, um, uh, this these are the parameters um, to say that um, uh, to say what the book is because yes, at every stage I was always asked, well, what is the book about? Um, um, you know, a, a, a dear friend said, don't go there, Conchetta. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't go right. there. You don't want right. to go there. <laughs> um, and another friend defined it for me um, in a way that raised issues um, uh, around what, what suicide is. So it seemed that all of us have a relationship to suicide in one way or another, personal or um, intellectual or professional reasons. Yeah. And um, uh, I wanted to show what my, uh, what the frame of reference was for mine. And I also ultimately wanted to say that whatever was in the book was um, um, made out of love. And, and in fact, this is, um, that is, that was the first draft of this mm. manuscript, which was one long, um, um, yeah, one very long manuscript. Uh, it sort of flowed in a lyrical, um, nonfiction way, similar to Karen Green, um, um, Karen Green's Bow, um, a book, a book she wrote. She was um, the partner of David Foster Wallace, okay. who suicided, um, and she didn't. She had no clue. She had no clue. Um, and so it was such a shock for her that she had to write through it. Um, and it is a long meditation on what suicide is and what it did to her um, as a survivor and what it has done um, to people um, who um, completed the Suicide Act. And so, um, yeah, it seemed really, I felt it was very important to write this with love, um, to, to talk about love in, um, um, in, in the sort of broader humanistic way. Um, uh, you know, love is in what it, what, uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it can't stop things and it can't heal anything, but to love, means that there is at least a soft caring. There's a caring there. And that's what I wanted readers to, to know. So this is one of the reasons why this book is so moving to me. And, and, and there were times where I did have some tears in my eyes, you know, so uh, yeah, you, this is the, what you're saying is, is exactly, uh, you know, what, what to, one of the things that made me so um, happy to read I mean it sounds odd but no it was a moving book and I was grateful to that I had the opportunity to read it and and now to talk to you about it as well I, I since you've talked about uh, uh, triggering I let's talk about that you raised the issue of worrying about triggering other people in the triggering other people in the book and in the the, the essay case study and an anorexics book review you write so how does one write about suicide 
Paperniast, and Paperni is um, Anna Mailer Paperni is the author of Help, I Want to Die, Please Fix Me, Depression in the First Person. So Paperni writes, confession is the most honest approach to reflect on the condition, bringing, bringing forward all the shame so it becomes shameless. After a while, pulling apart the pieces of sticky psychic stuff in your hands is easy, assembling them so that they inspire interest. But don't feel hunger in the reader is the art, you might say. So that's from, um, it's toward the end, page 144. You include autobiographical detail in the book about suicidal ideation, anorexia, feeling ugly, depression. I think this is a vital and necessary part of the book. Did you struggle with including autobiography? You know, it's funny. I did. I didn't think that I would. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I went into it knowing. That's actually a very, it's, it's a, it's a question that, that's very complicated, in fact. I wrote it because I had these suicide dreams. And the suicide dreams were, I knew, in relation to a very difficult, very, very difficult um, spring, summer. Um, and it was still, it was dragging into the fall, but um, easing. And um, the... Um, so uh, I knew it had to be about me because I have an interest in understanding it, understand, understanding suicide. But you know, it's funny, like, so I knew, like, I wanted it to be a, for everyone and about everyone. And I also knew that I had to position myself in relation to suicide which means that I had to tell the story, right? The difficulty about um, telling one's personal story about suicide, if one has not committed suicide, is what right do I have to write about suicide? Right. And um, that was a, a very unconscious uh, pressure on me, um, or pressure that I was putting on my responsibility to the project. It was, um, I, I kept trying to figure out how I was even a part of this project, um, though I was. Um, and, and so I, I wrote around it a lot, you know, I, I wrote um, um, the Afghanistan um, war uh, um, essay. Um, there were, I guess what I was doing was circling the incidences that I could identify with, um, of course, you know, like every writer should be um, should accept their what their their responsibility to to what motivates them, and also the fact that yes, there's an arrogance that drives them. Yes, as in only I can write this. Right. So all of those, you know, all of that, like ego stuff, just kept, you know, shifting up and down, up and down. <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm trying to, and, and that was the thing when I brought it in, it was um, all like contorted. It's a lot of contortion. And I was really surprised that I would have so much contortion in talking about myself. Um, it was, uh, but, you know, as you, as you, um, Books are like that, you know, they, they lift um, from inside you. And so there are parts that can only come at certain points. And um, I think the most personal, the most vulnerable part of you 
um, needs to be uh, given a reason to rise up and, and be shared. Yes, so there was a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in there that's about me. Um, when I was writing it, um, I was telling the truth. Um, and uh, when I finished, I um, thank God for Shane for, you know, helping me save face <laughs> from, <laughs> I, you know, and I, I think all writers know what I mean. Um, as yeah. in to tell the truth is like, you don't really want to tell the truth um, because the truth is really, it, it, it's very exposing. Yes. Um, you know, so, so I felt by the time I got to the end, I, I knew that I wasn't naked. <sighs> Thank you, Shane. <laughs> um, and, uh, but you know what, after I finished it and I'm not, and I, after I finished it, so as with, you know, I think with, I think when a project ends, there is a, a down, but I was, um, I, I think I didn't anticipate being as terrified. No, I felt like, um, I don't know if I should have published this book. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, it's, um, it's, and, and the thing is, it's not even because of what I showed about myself. Um, it's, it's, um, I guess I, 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 I don't know, I guess, you know, I guess we, I don't want to have to back out of what I'm trying to say it. I made myself very vulnerable. You did. I made myself naked, even if like, I'm sort of like mainly clothed, mainly the, I might, the important parts are hidden, but I'm pretty naked out there. And mm -hmm. Um, I knew, and I know that, um, being naked and not having people respond is the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much, Amanda, <laughs> for, for telling me that you saw me naked, um, and that I, I'm not, I did not shame myself and that, um, you actually respect me in the end. Oh, I certainly do. Good grief. I know. I mean, this is I, 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 was something I say about I've gone through phases of, of not wanting to write. I've done a lot of things to avoid writing about myself. I've used all kinds of strategies. I've delayed. I've even done things where I've because I've had to write something. I've written it, but then I've done things like I've entered into contests I know I could never win or send it to publications I know would never accept it. And I've done all those kind of things. And, and, and yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of ways in which we can not share our writing. But what, one thing I, I say about writing um, the truth about oneself or is that for me anyways, I have to tell myself I'm writing so people as fellow misfits don't, don't feel alone. And that helps me to get over those. So I may, my ego may be tender and it may be bruised about some of the stuff I have to say, but uh, I need to say it's, it's not really about me so much as it's about other people recognizing something and feeling a kindred feeling or, or, or 
or or connection in some way. And I I think it helps. It helps me when I'm reading. That's one one of the reasons I read. I read to feel like I'm not alone. So why would it be not okay to be a writer and write so that others don't feel alone, you know? So write your truths because you're not, no matter how weird each of us is individually, we're really, there's actually more people that are as weird in their own way or in simpler ways anyway. So, I mean, it's surprising to learn that, you know, and, and weird being a good thing, not a bad thing as well. So, you know, so there's, there's a lot in that for me. And, and, and when I, it's not um, uh, from a personal point of view, I, someone very close to me when I was young uh, attempted suicide and, uh, um, and I was very angry with that person for, um, I don't know if I'm still not angry with that person in some ways, but so, and there are other, other things I could relate to, but the point is, is that, that I, I think that a lot of people have in one way or another, whether it's being their own personal thoughts of suicide or whether they've known someone, I think I, it's just part of human humanity. It's part of what happens and it's something that needs to be talked about. So and you do it in, in an amazingly respectful, but also fascinating way and not in a weird, exploitative, fascinating, like some kind of strange, you know, uh, sensational uh, um, tabloid way, but in a, in a very interesting way. And, and from and, and from point of view that people can also relate to. And, and I think having the autobiographical um part is also very helpful too. So I think it's, it's, it's important. Um, so in order to discuss the ethics of suicide, you provide examples of different roles and show how it is viewed depending on which side of society is on, dying for one's country or faith, being heroic or considered shameful, for example. By example, you point out the hypocrisy of these judgments by musing whether or not Jesus's act could be considered suicide, or whether the crucifixion could whether it could be considered suicide is a controversial question. Have you received any any comments or criticism or negative response to that at all? I was no. fascinated by that because I hadn't even I never thought of that. And I'm not a particularly religious person, but I certainly grew up in a Christian environment. So you know, we all heard he died for our sins, right? So that's uh, but that was a su- that was suicide. Well, okay, so. You know, but this is what this is what's really complicated about the Jesus narrative, actually. Um, if it's true that Jesus um, allowed God to let him be killed on the cross, yeah. um, then that means that um, uh, Jesus knew he was walking to his death, which means that in one way, it is technically a suicide in the same way that one, um, you know, enters a lion's den and, uh, you know, the lion is hungry. There, there's no turning back. There's no undoing it. But, you know, that this, the thing is that that narrative was created after, after the fact. Um, Jesus didn't say I mean, you know, we don't have it on record, literally, no. we don't have it on the tape that says, Jesus, uh, God told me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. What we have are scriptures that say, this is what Jesus said. That was, and all of this is composed after his death. So um, the, what's observed by raising the question of suicide in that situation is that the, the, the question is not about Jesus, 
it's actually about the narrative of Jesus that missed the link, (laughs) you know, in that retroactive way of saying, yeah, but God wanted him to go and sacrifice his life so that he would come back to life, right? Um, the the fact is, if that's the case, then really it's it's a it's a self killing. Yeah. Um, however, also the thing is, at the time, um, there there were no direct prohibitions against self killing, which is why you had martyrs all yeah. over the place, and then also why you had martyrs like going in droves after Jesus following in his path, as in, I want to go to heaven, um, take my life or, you know, my life is gone. And, and, and then the problem was, in order to stop all that martyrdom, all that uh, self-killing, um, the church fathers decided they had to put a prohibition on um, the act of suicide. The only uh, the only entity that can take your body is God. Mm-hmm. And if you take it yourself, then that is a sin. And um, yeah, you go to hell or you purgatory, whatever the narrative was at the time, this was the whole idea. Don't sin. So do not self-kill. And then that ended up becoming a part of um, uh, legal, um, legal discourse. And at the time also, when, when Jesus was alive, um, Rome, Romans self-killed all over the place. You know, like, um, established, like um, what do you call it? Rich Romans. Right. Yeah, it, was, it was noble to, to take one's life. Right. right. Um, Socrates, uh, was it Socrates? Plato? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Socrates had to um, commit suicide because that was his... Um, that was the penalty uh, for his crime, as in they weren't going to kill him. He had to take the hemlock. And of course, he didn't want to. But, you know, um, he had to honor um, the, 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 the judgment. And so he had to self-kill. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah it's, just, it's just there's so, many, so much opening up of this book into so many different, um, there's a lot more things we could talk about. I have a lot more things, but I, you know, I think I'd like to start, um, start wrapping up our, our, our hour and conversation. So just maybe a few more comments and then, and then I'll, I'll get to a nice uh, note of praise that I have about the book. So I've already praised it, but I'll keep praising it too. So um, yeah, I, what do I want to talk about? Um, so yeah, actually what I'd like to end on before I do the praises is, is case study the whole um, for uh, is dedicated for my friend who lost their parent to suicide. This was a beautiful and poignant inclusion and an open admission that some things are too hard to discuss or not appropriate to discuss. And a quote I have, this is my bandage, useless and temporary. I just wanted to just, again, signal that as one of the, one of the things that I thought was very moving about the book, that, that is an acknowledgement of that, that we can't always discuss these things, but you know, it's, it's acknowledged. So thank you for that as well. Um, yeah, that was a, a very, um, while, while writing this, you know, um, I, I had a, a lot of many conversations with people. Um, and also I know, um, you know, in, in, in my years I've, um, uh, and encountered, you know, 
suicide in, you know, uh, a family or friends, not family, um, friends or um, family of friends. Right. So um, the other, the thing that is suicide that was the most, that I feel is the, the, the most respectful approach to suicide is not to judge. Yeah. We don't know. We aren't there. Even, even a suicide letter is not going to tell us. No. A suicide letter justifies, but it doesn't, it doesn't say what is inside. And, and, and that's partly what I was trying to get at with um, Meriwether, um, yeah. the, the Meriwether and um, with uh, Sylvia Plath, especially with Sylvia Plath, everybody seemed to think that they knew exactly why. Yeah, yeah. But um, if you look, if you spend time at it, if you, yeah. well, if you look at the suicide as the, a speech, a statement. Yes. Well, when you talked awful. about the whole connection to the fact yeah. that uh, she put her head in the oven and the connections to um, um, sort of being, you know, being, you know, a wife, wife and also the, the idea of the Holocaust and the connection between Ted Hughes's lover. And wow, I was blown away, but I had no idea about all of that. So not that I'm a Sylvia Platt, like I, I know her work, but I don't know that much about her outside of that. So, but that, this is revelatory information for me. And, and the way you approached it was really interesting as well. So. I think I think um, uh, um, some of, one of the few statements I would like to say before this ends is to um, respect. Um, no, um, well, it's the love thing, the care of love. Um, the suicider is trying to talk, and um, there's something to say, and what has to be said sometimes cannot have words attached. And as, as people who are living, um, uh, it is, it is, we, all of us should be, um, I don't want to, you know, command, but there's a, there is an imperative for all of us to witness, be witness to our community. And, um, and, uh, and one of the um, kinds of witnessing um, that one doesn't think of as witnessing, you know, you want to turn your face, your, your turn yeah. away from the truth of somebody self-killing is that something is being said and to listen to, to listen to the body speaking. It was, it was Gatry Spivak speaking about her aunt and how one can understand the reason for that suicide, um, reading the body she, she puts it as reading the body, the body, the suicided body speaks. It mm. is, it is, um, and speaks in metaphor. And that's, I think really, um, that's what I wanted to do in, in this book to honor um, and, um, and um, make prayers for those who have passed because of suicide. That's, that's, I think you've done it very well. Um, are you, I, ha I didn't ask this in the questions I sent you ahead of time, but I realized I should ask it because it would be nice to know. Uh, are, do you have any more readings from the book or anything scheduled at this time on Zoom or? No? Yeah, I have. A, oh, no, I do. Um, that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not till the spring yet. Okay. Um, uh, lit live. Um, oh, good. Lit 
Hamilton. Um, I think it's in April, April 5th, if I recall correctly. I wanted to do um, a proper launch. Well, the thing is, something like this, I think, really does need a face-to-face. Yeah, yeah, it would be good to have. Um, And I wanted to actually bring other people in um, to sort of make it like a a colloquium, you know, um, bringing yeah. other writers in who, who write about suicide and, um, or whose scholarship is on suicide or, um, you know, and, and I was, I was planning, I was thinking of planning to do that, but this fall has been all wonky. Yeah. We're COVID. so messed up with, with this thing. And I don't know, it, it doesn't, it, it, it feels like it's not something uh, we should treat as a temporary thing. We just kind of figure out how how to mitigate risk and and uh, be as compassionate as possible. That's about all we can we can do, right? I, I don't know anything else to do. Um, is there anything else you want to say about the book before I, before I give you my rave uh, note of praise? Right. <laughs> um, I have. Oh, um, thank you, everyone who. Um, uh, all of you who, um, and you know who you are, who helped me through this, were with me through this, um, talked me through this. Um, but especially um, thank you to Shane Nielsen for listening to the first draft that he saw um, uh, and for seeing um, the value of sharing a project like this now. And especially considering Cam H is coming out, um, you know, public, uh, you know, um, advertising about the need to um, to bring suicide into discourse, not to hide it, and and not to um, um, and to speak your need. Um, that um, uh, I, I think that that's valuable. Um, I also, I was thinking, I was wondering, like, this is two, two things. I was wondering, I, I would like to just say before my last word that, um, and I, I, we, if, um, if any, anything that has been said here has um, had a triggering effect on you, then I, um, please know that there are places to get help. And Canada's Suicide Prevention Service is one of them. Um, www.crisisservicescanada.ca. And the number uh, in, on, in Canada, uh, Ontario, I think, uh, 1-833-456-4566. And if this is reaching into Quebec, it's one eight six six two seven seven three five five three, and then also www.suicideprevention.ca. Uh, please reach out. Um, there's a lot of there is a lot of care in this world uh, um, when you can speak out, and um, I would like to um, express my, my my deepest thanks, Amanda, for. Um, making a forum for um, this book and uh, talking about suicide. Thanks, Conchetta. And I'm also, I will also, we have the, on the, on smallmachinetalks.com, which is where the podcast is, um, 
is um, shared and then goes to SoundCloud. We'll also do uh, in the show notes. I'll put links up to the Canadian Suicide Prevention uh, Service and they, all of those things that you mentioned. When I'm when I'm I don't unfortunately I can't do a transcription, but um, I'll at least make sure that I include those and also the the definitely the link to the book as well, so people can can know where to get it from as well. Okay, so let let me do my little. I've hyped it up now a few times. Now I I what I do is I, I read these uh, notes that I've made at the end of each episode and I post them to goodreads.com as well as as one place where people can find out about uh, these great books. So Stars Need Counting, Essays on Suicide, explores suicide through the lenses of politics, history, psychology, literature, popular culture, mythology, philosophy, and religion. Probably other things too that I'm forgetting about. Principe weaves autobiographical details of suicidal ideation, depression, cutting, anorexia, and career within the narrative of the book, giving the work a personal and relatable resonance. The book offers a combination of intellectual rigor in its careful and meticulous research, while also being wide-ranging and fascinating. Principe takes the often taboo and often unspoken subject of suicide and treats it with objectivity and care. She doesn't offer easy and simplistic answers, but raises important questions about how those who attempt or succeed in killing themselves are seen and treated in society. The book addresses 9-11's pilots and those who fell from the burning buildings, along with soldiers who fought in Afghanistan, Antigone, Christ, Sylvia Plath, and Romeo and Juliet, among others. Principe doesn't steer clear from investigating what troubles her because that trouble is meaningful. Stars Need Counting is a poetic and clear, thoughtful and fair, a book that should be in everyone's library. So that's, that's my, those are a few words about the book. Fun to write. And uh, thanks to Conchetta for being on the show, to Jennifer Peterson for help with the intro and outro, to Charles O for processing, and to you for listening and sharing the episode. Stay tuned for future episodes with Barry Tullett, Christine Snodgrass, the editors of Coven Editions, and a final episode of the year about the poetics of film with Jennifer Mulligan. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening to The Small Machine Talks. The Small Machine.